Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. So we're going to be talking about the storms of life. And, you know, of course, it's the perfect time to be talking about storms because of what we were dealing with. But, you know, there's different kinds of storms. You know, it's not just a hurricane, it's tornadoes, it's floods, it's fires, it's, it's volcanoes. You know, we were on the big island of Hawaii a few years ago, and we went, went out and looked at the volcano that's been erupting now for quite a while. And uh, it, was, it was really interesting. You, you go to a place, and you kind of you look where lava has flown across, across the road, and now, you know, there's no getting down that road anymore. That's just it. We were driving along one day, and we saw a, while we were there, we saw the house, a house sitting all by itself, surrounded by lava. They'd been hardened for I don't know how long. But you know what? There's, there's volcanoes, there's mudslides, landslides, like I say, fires, earthquakes. I, when we go to California, I say, the reason I won't come out, wouldn't never, ever consider coming out to live here is because y'all got earthquakes, you've got fires, you've got floods, you've got... You got all kinds of kinds of things. There's no reason to be out here. And they said, but you got hurricanes. I said, well, at least I know they're coming. You know, I mean, we have we have that option. <laughs> but but there are different kind of storms and different kind of, of things that happen in different parts of the country. You know, as far as I'm concerned, you might as well consider this heat a storm. Lord, help me. You know. <laughs> You know, but then I look at what they endure up, you know, in the northeast, you know, and all across the northern tier of the country, you know, and they wind up with ice, ice storms and, and blizzards and all this kind of stuff. You know, those are different kinds of storms, you know, and so we all are facing storms. You know, the interesting thing is people seem to think that when they get born again, everything's just going to be rosy for the rest of their lives. Honey, it's not going to be that way. You know, number one, the enemy hates you. The devil hates you. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It doesn't say he just comes to steal and kill and destroy believers. It says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He really doesn't really care if you're a believer or not. He's not discriminatory at all. But uh, I believe in the basic English, it's, that verse is translated this way. The thief comes only to take the sheep and put them to death. He comes for their destruction. Now, the very fact that somebody's not born again doesn't eliminate them from the possibility of, of storms coming in their lives. Because like I said, you, as just a person living on this earth, you are part of God's creation. And, and honestly, for people who don't know John 10, 10 completely, because there are believers who don't seem to know what John 10, 10 says, but he wants to use destruction to try to convince people that somehow God's behind it all, that God's responsible for destruction in li their lives, that God's responsible for the storms that come in their lives. Well, that's just not the case. But storms are coming. Nobody is exempt from the storms. And while we're here living on this earth, we're going to be um, blessed with storms. You know, but the Bible says the trying of our faith works patience. So, you know, you have to look at a storm sometime and just go, faith is, is at work in me. Patience is at work in me. The trying of my faith works patience, and patience causes my faith to be built up. So, so there's things at work. But, you know, it's not a fairy tale mentality when you get born again. And so they lived happily ever after. Yeah, I'm going to live happily ever after, even while I'm here. But that doesn't mean the storms aren't coming. And there's all kinds of storms. You know, for us in, the, in, the, in just our, in our everyday lives, there's, there's sickness and disease there's financial hardships. There is crisis of every single kind. There's relationship. There's loss of every kind. I mean, you, you can break it down into so many different kind of storms that come our way. Some are big. Some are small. Some are, have massive results. And some, you know, it's like it's an inconvenience, but it's, it's not too bad. But they're coming. You know, over in 1 Peter 4.12, it says, Beloved, think it not strange. 
concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing had happened to you. Listen, the key here is it comes to everybody. Unfortunately, we get to the place sometimes where we, you know, somebody wants to talk about the trouble that they, they're facing, uh, and, and we want to one-up them. Yeah, but you just don't know, you know, what I'm going through. You just don't know what it is like in my life. You know, when, when the northerners come down here in the summer, we're going, yeah, you had never been through a Florida summer. And when we go up there, well, you haven't been through a Michigan winter. You know, so we're always trying to one-up each other here on this thing. You know, just like, well, my trouble is bigger than your trouble. You know, my, you know, my, my storm is bigger than your storm. Well, hey, it's just a storm, okay? And God's big, as big in one as he is in the other. Thank God for heaters for the Michigan people and air conditioners for the Florida people. You know, God's always got a way to mitigate the storm. In, uh, in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. He walks about as a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. He just wants to make you think he is. He puts on a big front. He makes a lot of noise. But you have to decide that he may not devour you. He may not. You can either let him or you can get in his face and say, no, you don't. Not today. Not to, that's what Emily Smith was, said one time. She goes, not today, devil. You know, and she was right. You know, every day if we get up and, and there's trouble on the horizon. You go, not today. Not today. Psalm 34, 19 says, Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers him out of them all. Isaiah 59, 19 says, The enemy, he, when he comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Isn't that nice to know? Isaiah, go, go to this one. I, it took me a while to find this one. This, this evening just before church started because, I, you know, it had so much to do with the storm that's coming in, up there in the Carolinas. And uh, Isaiah 43, 2, it says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon you. See, God's already got your protection in mind. He's already made provision for you in the middle of a storm. You know, we, we think of storms, and so many times we think of, of like on the, on the ocean or on the water, you know, a storm comes up. Because, you know, in the, in the New Testament, we see the picture of Jesus and the disciples out on the Sea of Galilee, and they're rowing across, across the sea. They've got some place to go, and, and the storm comes up. Listen, the whole point of them going through a storm was to get to the other side. And anytime you're going through a storm in your life, the point is to get to the other side. Sometimes we want to be delivered out of him. You know, like, just like, you know, click your heels like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. You know, click your heels three times and it's, and it's all gone. That's not the way it works. God said he'll take you through all this stuff. He'll deliver you out of it all. He doesn't say you won't go through it. He just said you'll come out of it smelling like a rose. What happened with the three Hebrew children? They got thrown into a fire. It was so hot that the people who threw them into the flyer, into, in the, into the fryer, yeah, into the fire were consumed by the fire. And yet they came out. Their clothes weren't singed. Their clothes didn't even smell of smoke. You know, they were bound and thrown. The only thing that burned up in the fire were the bonds that held them. And yet and when they came out, they said, we saw, didn't we throw three men in? We saw a fourth man in there walking around in the middle of the fire. Listen, no matter what kind of a storm you're in, there's somebody beside you in the middle of it. And he'll bring you out on the other side smelling good. Amen. Um, in John 16, it says, In the world you'll have tribulation. Good news, God. Thank you very much. But it goes on. It doesn't stop there. He says, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Well, you might say, well, so what? You've overcome the world. Listen, whatever Jesus has done, you have done. You partake in, the, in what he has done. If he has overcome, you have overcome. 
that's up to you to, to walk in what you have overcome. It's up to you to decide to walk in what you have overcome. He's given you everything. You know, sometimes I think, you know, people take that one verse in the Bible that God will not suffer you to be, more, to be tempted more than you're able. But, oh, God wouldn't let more than, this, more than I could handle come on me. Listen, it's because he's equipped you already. He's equipped you just so completely, so fully that there is nothing you can't handle. Absolutely nothing. It's going to depend on how you think about it as to whether you do overcome it or not. But he has equipped you in such a way that there is nothing that can take you down. You think, well, that, that, that's kind of a fanciful thought. No, it's not. It's according to the Word. The Word says this. I didn't say that. The Word says it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There is no temptation taken you but such as common to man, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted, tested, or tried above what you are able, but will with the temptation always also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear. That is not, I'm trudging along. Oh, I'm just going to get through it. God's going to make a way. No, it's, it means that you're going to joyfully go through whatever is in your path and come out on the other side with a smile on your face. Um, gracious. We've had plenty of issues in life, plenty of times, you know, where it just, I, I really, you know, in the beginning of it, I had, to get, I had to get my, I had to wrap my head around the fact that this has come to pass and get my heart in agreement with what the word said about the situation. Because at the moment, just naturally speaking, I couldn't see next week, much less next year. I remember in one situation, somebody said, it's going to be okay. By this time, you know, by this time next so-and-so, it's, you, 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 it's, it's going to be so different. And I'm going, I can't even see into next week, much less what you're talking about. See, that's the time to stop. Stop talking until you get a hold of the word. I love what some of the things Pastor was saying on Sunday night. And I thought, you're stealing some of my stuff. But, of course, he didn't know that. But then again, that's okay. Because if you remember our study of Proverbs, Proverbs talked about wisdom, and he was talking about the, word, one, the one word that was hakma, which means pound it in. We've got to keep pounding these principles in. We've got to keep them fresh. We've got to keep them before our eyes all the time because the enemy is constantly trying to strip them away from us and, and get us to think something other than what the Word says we ought to be thinking. Hallelujah. Trouble comes in the life of every person, believer, non-believer. The enemy hates you, hates humankind just because we're God's creation. But his purpose, his purpose is to lay all this suffering that he causes at God's door. And so we can't let him to do that. Now once you're born again, he doubly hates you because now he needs to keep you distracted. And see, that's what storms so many times are all about is to keep you distracted from the real plan and purpose of God. He's got several things in mind. Number one, he wants you to not produce any fruit. He doesn't want you to produce any fruit at all in your life. He doesn't want you to witness to anybody. He doesn't want you, anybody, you to tell anybody how good God is. He doesn't want to see you develop in character, develop in your faith, develop in your, in your prayer life. He wants to keep you so bound up in your troubles and so focused on your troubles and your issues and the things that are happening all around you that you're no good to anybody, not even yourself. Number two, he doesn't want there to be any kind of a harvest. He doesn't want to see the blessings of God become filled, filled in your life. He doesn't want to see the things that God has promised you come to pass in your life. He doesn't want the fruit to ever show up. He wants to take it and he wants it killed on the vine before it ever has a chance to ripen. You know, we see in Florida that happen every year with the citrus crop. You know, that, that, that citrus crop starts as a flower on a tree. And then this, the center of that flower is this little bud. And that little bud begins to get bigger and bigger and bigger 
until it's of a certain size. And then it begins to ripen. And it goes from green and changes to orange or whatever the fruit might be. You know, he doesn't want to see it get to that point. He wants to get it so he can take it away and, and, and damage it, destroy it, before it ever has a chance to ripen. That's what God, he's, he's looking to do. And then he's looking to, to keep, you on, keep you on the defensive all the time. He knows if he can keep you on the defensive all the time, you'll not go after him. You won't, you won't be in a place where you take him on because you want to take, on, take him on. You know, there are times we need to just decide that there's a faith project that we want to take on. He doesn't want you to ever do that. You might say, well, you know, I, I, I don't have anything particularly going on in my life. Wonderful. But it's not going to last. I promise you, it's not going to last. I told somebody one time that was about to step out into the plan of God for their life where ministry was concerned, and I told them about all the things that they could expect to happen. And they said, I don't receive that. And I, I said, it doesn't matter whether you receive it or not, it's coming. It has nothing to do with whether you receive it or not. I'm warning you so that you'll be aware of it. I'm telling you so you'll be ready for it. See, and when, that's the thing. That when's the time to get ready? Before, before the storm shows up. So if you're finding yourself in a place right now where there not seem to be any storms going on in your life, that's great. Take the opportunity to get prepared. There are things that you may, that may come up in your life that you'll have plenty of opportunity to prepare for if you haven't already done so. That's great. But now you're going to have to go, like, you know, last year, had to go fight the crowds just to get some gas. The storm wasn't here yet, but people had waited the last minute, and so they had to go fight the crowds to just try to find water. Fortunately, I had gone out, you know, last year and gotten a whole bunch of water and a whole bunch of gas before everybody panicked over the thing. Listen, the time to get prepared is way before the storm shows up. But at the same time, there are times when storms come that it's like that. It's that fast. It happens that fast. You would have had no time to prepare had you not already done so. Don't be caught short. That's not the place to be. Don't get blindsided by the enemy. You know, when you, when it's, it's, kind, it's not like I want you to be just constantly looking you know, around every bush and under every rock for what the enemy might do. I just don't want you to be surprised by anything he, he throws at you. I don't want you to be taken aback by anything he, he manages to slip in. So get prepared well ahead of time. Uh, you know, we, uh, we get to the place where our attitude is everything. You know, we, it should be, if the enemy's trying to defeat me, he's going to want to be the one who one who'll be, end up get, being defeated. We need to turn adversity into opportunity. Stumbling blocks into building blocks. I have found this. No matter what the storm was, if I kept my heart right, if I kept my eyes focused on the things of God, if I kept his promises near and dear to me, I came out of it so much stronger than I went into it. And so if the enemy ever threw the same kind of a storm at me again, I was well prepared for what he had this time. More prepared. See, and, and that's the thing. If, if the enemy, he, if he throws something at you, he knows that if you successfully weather this one, his opportunity to throw something at you the next time and be successful is diminished. And we should be working toward being a diminisher of the enemy every single time. You know, when trouble comes, not like, oh, no. It's like, okay, God, let's just see how we're going to work this one out. Let's, let's just see how this is going to play out. Let's just see how you're going to, to, to provide the answers that I need. Let's just see how we're going to walk this one out. Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon. No weapon. Not some weapons. Not every once in a while a weapon. Most weapons. He said, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every adversity is a weapon of the enemy, but it's not a teaching tool from God. 
You can't, I can, we can never stress that enough. Don't ever, ever, ever let your mind ever go to that place that says, well, God must be trying to get my attention. God must be trying to teach me something. Well, you never know what God has in mind. Well, you, you never know what the plan of God is. Well, no. Make up your mind right now. It's not God doing it. If you have to take John 10, 10, I don't recommend this, and tattoo it on your arm to keep yourself reminded that it's the thief who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, then by all means, maybe just take a magic marker, okay? And just do that. That would be easier, you know. But uh, it's amazing how many believers go around with that attitude, even today, that somehow God is involved in it or God has allowed it or God has sponsored it or he's responsible for it. Listen, the only reason, the only way God can allow something into your life is because we allow it. If we're willing to put up with it, if we're willing to, to take, it, take it on in our own strength, he's going to have to sit back and say, all right. You ever, when your kids were growing up, you know, you, you're going to help them do something? No, 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 Mommy, I can do it myself. I can do it. I can do it. And you're going, really? Okay. Let's see. Sometimes they surprise you. Sometimes they fall flat on their face. And that's a good learning tool. Listen, don't fall flat on your face when it comes to these things. God wants to help you. Let him help you when the storms come. Depend on him. Depend on his word. Depend on what he's got available for you. Depend on what he's put in you already. Depend on what Jesus has already accomplished for us and made a provision for. It's ours. Acknowledge the source of where these things come from. Use the word. Get the sword of the spirit out and overcome. It's that simple. Well, you just don't know the situation I've got going on. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's the same no matter what the situation is. Know who brought it into your life. Know that God is your source of victory. Find the word that applies to your situation. Use it and use the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit and you will overcome. Hallelujah. You can decide to be discouraged you can decide to be angry. You can decide to be bitter. You can decide to be resentful. You can decide to be fatalistic. You can decide to blame God. You can decide to blame other people. But what's your attitude going to be when, when things start happening? Helen Keller said this. She goes, a happy life consists not in the absence of, but in the mastery of hardships. I tell you what, there is great joy when you come through something the enemy has thrown at you. And you've come through and you're going, mm -mm, not this time. You didn't win. You did not win. You did not win. Hallelujah. God has proven himself faithful once again. Once again. We don't have to be perfect in our, in our walk with God. You don't have to be perfect. Isn't that nice to know? He's already allowed for that. He knows that in and of ourselves we're not perfect. And so we don't have to be per perfection personified. Listen, trying to be perfect in everything in life is just going to be miserable. Because it's just not possible. It puts too much pressure on you. Listen, the perfection comes from the one who lives and abides on the inside of us. Not from ourselves. Um, the only perfect person was Jesus, and he didn't have a, a trouble-free life. Listen, he was a baby. A baby. Now, what has a baby done? A baby's done nothing. He's a baby, and somebody's trying to kill him. I mean, that tells you right there that none of the rest of us are exempt from trouble. He's just a baby. You know, it probably, what, what we, we figure probably about two, two th to three years old when his parents had to get him out to Egypt because they were warned by an angel. 
He started off life with the enemy trying to destroy him. And amazingly, the enemy tried to destroy him before he really knew, before he really understood the purpose of why he was here. So he had all of that. He, he, wanted, he had people who wanted to baker act him because they thought he was crazy. They falsely accused him of blasphemy, of heresy. They totally misunderstood his, his motives and what he was doing. He had friends who argued with him who didn't learn what he was trying to teach him. A close associate betray him. One of his closest people in life betrayed him. You know, that kind of thing is, is a huge storm in your life. When you're close to someone and you've invested so much in them and, and the relationship you have with them, and then you find out they've betrayed you somehow, I mean, that hurts to the core. It's a storm of life, and yet Jesus did, had that happen to him. Somebody that he was, I mean, he was closer to those 12 men who traveled with him than to anybody else while he lived on this earth. And yet one of them betrayed him. See, there is nothing that you and I are ever going to face that Jesus hasn't already faced. Can you imagine, can you think of anybody who was more cruelly treated than Jesus was? Physically? I can't imagine. I mean, the way the Bible reads, you know, we, I don't think we ever really get a good picture of what he endured physically for you and me. I don't think you and I understand what he endured mentally for you and me. When he hung on that cross and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That to me is one of the most pitiful phrases I, I could imagine anybody uttering. Because the one, the one being that he could always count on to be right there with him was his father God. And yet at that moment, the father had to turn his back on him. You talk about what seemed to be the ultimate betrayal. And yet God couldn't look at him because my sins and your sins had been placed on him and God had to turn away. There's nobody who's ever treated you badly enough to even begin to compare with the way Jesus was treated. It's not there. So when you're having a pity party about how mean somebody's been or how, how bad your boss is or, or how, you know, this family member has, has treated you wrongly, you know, you just think about what Jesus took on. When it says that the chastisement of our peace was upon him, that's part of it. That's part of it. He took all that so that we wouldn't have to. You can take those kind of hurts to him and just say, Lord, help me. Help me. You see, you see what I don't see. Help me. And he, and he will. You know, um, some people want to confess they won't ever have trouble in trials. But, you know, that I, I, just, I just want to make sure they understand that faith is based in reality. But the reality of God's word says that though the trouble may come, greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. That's the real reality of it. I am an overcomer. I am. I am an overcomer. I don't care what you're ha what's happening. You look in the mirror and you say, I am an overcomer. I am an overcomer. I always triumph. He leads me in triumph. I am well able to do this. The joy of the Lord is my strength. When you don't feel like smiling, you don't feel like being nice to anybody, you don't feel like having to be around anybody, it'd be easier just to go home and, and go to the back bedroom and shut the curtains and shut the door and turn out the lights and pull the covers over your head and just pretend it doesn't exist. But I'm telling you what, when you know that you're an overcomer, that you are well able, 
that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can get up and put a smile on your face and say, all right, I'm ready. And go on and, and try to, and just take the devil on. Try him out. Say, you just come after it. Come on, big boy. Let's see what you got. Stop being so afraid of what the devil can do. Stop that. He can't do anything. Not if you use the word on him. What did Jesus do when he came to him? He used the word on him. Well, it doesn't work. Yes, it does. It's not like snapping your fingers sometimes. You may have to stay with it and just take your stand. Having done all to stand, stand. The problem with most people is they haven't done all to stand. They've done some. And they're, and they're thinking, it's just not working. Well, if you do what you know to do and just stand, it will work. It will work. You know, without a good, healthy dose of reality, people go around with their heads in the cloud thinking, oh, not me. You know. But yet, being realistic without being optimistic puts us in a place of becoming cynical about things. You know, I, that's where I found myself, you know, years ago when I was backslidden and, and didn't want to serve God and didn't want to have anything to do with church and, and thought this was a bunch of nonsense and it didn't work and so then why should I do this? Because the way I had grown up, I mean, I'd seen too many things, you know, in the church world and nobody had ever said anything to me that there was victory, victory. We sang victory in Jesus, but nobody ever really demonstrated victory in Jesus. Not in my house. You know, we didn't see much victory. We saw disaster. We saw crisis. We saw trouble. All the time, and it never seemed to improve. We just kind of survived it and went on. Listen, God wants you to do more than survive trouble. He wants you to thrive in the midst of trouble. He wants you to take on trouble. You know, when David faced Goliath, he ran toward him. He didn't just, you know, it wasn't one of these things where you just kind of meet in the middle and just kind of have a, you know, a little party and a little parlay here and talk it over. And then he ran to meet him. This same giant who had stood there for days on end mocking the people of Israel, he ran to him and told him what he would do to him. Goliath is saying, well, I'm going to feed you to the birds. He goes, no, sir, I'm, you're not going to feed me. I'm going to cut your head off and feed you to the birds. Here he is, a little kid. But see, he went into it prepared. He had already slain the bear, already slain the lion. He had already prepared himself. If he could face those, what's a giant? What's a giant? He might be bigger than that lion. He might be bigger. No, you can't tell me nothing was much more ferocious than that lion or that bear. And yet he took them on. So he didn't run away. He didn't hide. He didn't shrink back. He didn't go, oh, no, I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I can handle this. He ran toward him and said, I'll take you on. I'll take you on. I'll feed you to the fowls of the air. And he did exactly that. You know, we... Uh, we have so many times we go into, into just situations in general, you know, without being prepared for what issues might crop up. You know, you go into a brand new job, you know, and you think, I've got this, and then you suddenly get blindsided by, oh, I didn't know I needed to know that. Oh, how am I going to do this? We call it a learning curve sometimes, but you get in the middle of it. I, I remember when I went back, back to work, we went to Rama. I hadn't, I haven't, taking an x-ray in five years and here I'm in a doctor's office of five doctors and they expect me to know what I'm doing and I'm at a great loss and so back in those days we uh we hand developed x-rays and you had to get them in the dark room and take them out and put them on a hanger and put them in this solution all that kind of stuff and the doctors that first couple of weeks kept saying why are there so many fingerprints on these x-rays it's because I was sweating like a pig just under so much pressure because I didn't think I knew. Man, that was a major storm for me going on right then. But you know what? I just said, God, you got to help me. And throughout that job, there were times I just had to say, God, you got to help me. You got to help me. Listen, God, just, just ask him, help me, help me. 
We go into marriage sometimes, you know, young people, singles, whoever, if you're not married or you go into marriage, don't go into it thinking, oh, this is going to be so wonderful. It's Cinderella and Prince Charming. Sorry, my, my, uh, Mark and Kate, sorry, I hate to tell you this. Y'all are going to be married, what, like two months. But if you go into that, you're going to be sadly disappointed. Because there will be things that arise. No matter how well you think you know that person, you really don't know them that well. The first issue may be, that's my side of the bed. No, it's not. It's my side of the bed. I've slept on that side of the bed all my life. You're not going to have that side of the bed. That's a big deal. We did that. You know? It's like, this is the side I want. I said, no, I'm sleeping there. No, I want this. This is the side I've slept on all my life. This is where I'm going to sleep. To this day, that's where I sleep. (laughs) He didn't know he was marrying a neat freak. His mama had already told me, now you have to watch out for him because sometimes he throws his socks under the bed. I don't think I've ever known him to throw his socks under the bed. I think she was just telling me that. But, you know, I know I have greatly perturbed him over the years, you know, with my... um, no amens, um, with, my, with, with some of my little, my little quirks when it comes to cleaning, like, you know, I, I, I will clean it up before he's through with it. Take it away, whisk it away before he's done with something. Put it away, throw it away. I did that today. He wasn't done with something enough, threw it away. You know, you know or there's the fact that it's 5 o'clock in the morning, we're fixing to go, go to the airport and get on an airplane, and I will not leave the house until there's stripes in the carpet. Those are just things we still deal with after 48 years, you know. <laughs> maybe you go into, into a marriage and you find out that maybe this wonderful sweetheart is not as good with money as you thought she might be. That She loves to spend, but she never balances a checkbook, and she never thinks about what's on the credit card. Those are issues. And it can create some storms. Or how about when you find out that that sweet little darling says, do not talk to me until I've had my coffee. <laughs> do not, don't, don't even go there. No, no, don't even go there. Don't talk to me. No, I, I don't, don't even see your face until I've, after, after I've had my coffee. Listen, honey, let me tell you, if, if that's your life and you've got to have that cup of coffee, you're, you're, you're addicted to coffee. You need to get off of it. <laughs> now, I don't like coffee, but I'm just telling you that. If coffee's that important to you that you can't be civil until you've had it, you might need to consider a change of life. (laughs) But you find out all kinds of things once you start living with somebody that you never imagined, you never dreamt of. And some things are just little tiny quirky things like my stripes in my carpet. They're tiny, right, hon? Right, they're they're tiny. When I have the pulpit, I can say what I want, but I know there's payback coming, so, you know, it's okay. Um, uh, But then some things can turn into major problems. If you can't agree on money, storms are coming. If you can't agree on big issues, storms are coming. So that's why it's nice to be as prepared as you can before you go into a marriage situation. There's all kinds of issues. But you know what? I have a plaque in my office. That's a little thing I, I leave on my, on my bookcase. And it says, thou shalt not whine. <laughs> and really, every believer needs a copy of that. Because when things start happening, when things start going wrong, now is not the time to whine. Just what Pastor was talking about on Sunday night. Now it's time to praise God. It's called prayer and thanksgiving. You begin to praise Him. You begin to thank Him. You begin to lift Him up and just and just thank. And I'm telling you, what, you you can't whine and praise God at the same time. Although I've, I've a couple of times I've kind of wondered if people are trying that. You know, it's, it kind of made me wonder. You know, how can you you know, be praising God during the during the uh, praise and worship, and after church, I get this long face. I mean, it doesn't quite seem to make sense to me. But anyway, you know, it's really not the situation sometimes. It's the attitude we have about the situation that causes us to be defeated. 
You can take two people with the same kind of storm, and one of them has got a smile on their face. They've got a joy that that comes from the inside, welling up on the outside because they're thanking, they're praising God. And this other person who's just over here worrying and fretting and whining. What's the difference? Attitude. How they approach the issues. Lynn Hammond said this. Uh, Lynn Hammond is a pastor's wife up in Minnesota, and she's really well known for for the things she teaches about prayer. And she said this. She said, when praying about a specific thing or situation, says talking about God, she said, he'll always give you scriptures that reflect the victory that's coming and a promise to hold on to. Settle in on that word until it becomes implanted so deeply that you can't see the situation any other way. Can I read that again? When praying about a specific thing or a situation, God will always give you scriptures that reflect the victory that's coming and a promise to hold on to. See, now, when you might, in your mind, when I, when I read that, a victory that's coming, you understand that the answer is on its way the instant you pray about it in faith, Okay? You may not see it manifested, but it's coming. So from that premise, I want you to understand what she says when victory is coming. It's already on the way if you prayed in faith. Anyway, he'll give you scriptures that reflect the victory that's coming and a promise to hold on to. Settle in on that word until it becomes implanted so deeply that you can't see the situation any other way. Jesus had to do that. Jesus, over in, he, when he was on the cross, Hebrews 12, 2, it said that he endured the cross because he was looking for what was coming. What was he looking for? He was looking for you and me. He was looking at the victory that you and I would enjoy. He was looking at the things that, that we would be able to overcome in life. He was looking at the fact that, that we would not just be overcomers, but we would be partakers of the divine nature of God himself. He was looking at the fact that we could take on the enemy in this world, on the enemy's territory, and overcome him. That's what he was looking. It was for the joy that was set before him, and that joy was you. See, you have to go into any storm, any trial, any test, any temptation, with the answer already firmly established in your heart, in your mind, in your vision. You have to see it. You have to see yourself on the other side of that thing. You have to see yourself victorious. You have to see yourself having, having overcome it. You've just, you've just come out with flying colors. You know, I, I have to, to admit that there, there are just sometimes just little things that, that I've come up with that makes me know that, you can change your attitude about something and change the way you see something from the little things to the big things, and it makes a huge difference. I used to, just getting on a plane sometimes, I did not like turbulence. Ooh, no, no, don't, don't like turbulence. I mean, turbulence would start on a, on a flight, and I'd be holding my seat. And I was still of that of that persuasion when I went to Iowa one year to see Lance and Janice Fricky. Some of you may remember them, some may not. But I went in the winter, which is probably not a great time to go to Iowa. But anyway, I went up, went up there, and on the way home, we ran into a storm front, a winter storm front. Now, the plane I was on that day was this little puddle jumper. We were going, I think, from Waterloo to Cedar Rapids, and this little puddle jumper had one seat on each side of the plane. That's how little it was. And you had to step up a little, on a little the seat was attached to a little platform about like this high and there were no armrests it was that tiny and this turbulence was horrendous I mean I'm hanging on to the seat on both sides because there's no armrest to hang on I'm hanging on to it going God if there's not one righteous on this plane but me I'm worth saving <laughs> it was horrible and we got off the plane. This man, this man behind me, he was trying to be so sweet. He's just he patted me on the back during that, during all that. And he goes, "It's just turbulence." I went, "I know what it is. I'm not stupid. I know it's turbulence." You know, maybe he heard me praying. I don't know. 
We got off that plane. I was never so thankful to be on the ground in my life. I'm just going, thank you, Jesus. I'm like, I've got three hours. We'll have to get on another plane. Yes. And so turbulence just had me in fear all the time. You think it's a little thing, and maybe it is a little thing, but it's just an example of how you can overcome. Listen, it wasn't, I don't know, it took me a several, a number of years, I'm not sure how many, before one day I was trying, I was try, I never could never really sleep on an airplane, but one day I was just kind of dozing in the and the, and we started getting through some turbulence because they'd come on the come on the this overcom thing and they were saying how you know everybody needs to remain in their seats when we expect some rough air for the next few minutes and I'm going okay I'm just kind of dozing and you know as I'm dozing in the turb we got into the turbulence I'm going oh thank you this is like rocking me to sleep yes ever since that turbulence is like okay let me close my eyes and see if I can just doze off now it's like rocking me to sleep now I don't ever think about it anymore it's a different attitude and if you'll go into life with the attitude that I'm going to make something enjoyable out of this, I'm going to make something productive out of this, I'm going to learn something in the middle of all this nonsense, I'm going to take something away, I'm going to grow stronger in the middle of all, the enemy thinks he's got me down for the count and he's going to be the one who suffers when I get up. You've got to change your attitude, change the way you're looking at it. God's not just the foundation of our optimism. He's also the reality of our situation. He's real. His promises are real. The Holy Spirit's real. His power's real. His presence is real. His joy is real. His peace is real. Welcome to the real world. That's where we live, in the real world. That's the reality we need to be walking in. When the storms of life come our way and come, they will. Hallelujah. You know, and in the middle of all this, just be prepared. God doesn't give it immunity from problems, but he just gives us a different perspective. Hallelujah. But you have to receive that different perspective. Corresponding actions will tell you whether you have received that or not. But get prepared. Proverbs 21:31. Go over there. You're not too far away from there if you've still got your fingers in Isaiah. Proverbs 21. 31. It says, The horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. I've got another couple of translations. Um, NASB says, The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. You might be prepared, but victory belongs to God. You will be victorious because of God. Do you understand? The MSG version says, do your best, prepare for the worst, then trust God to bring the victory. Again, we've said it before. In every situation of life, there's a God part and a man part. You do your part, God will do his part. You know, we find, we find out that, it's, that over in, in uh, Matthew, where it talks about, about the, the man who built his house on the rock and the man who built his house on the sand. What are you building on? What are you building on? What kind of a foundation are you putting down? We need, to, we need to do what we need to do to take care of what we need to take care of. And then storms will come sometimes in spite of all you can do to prepare for it. You know, there, there are times in... in um, you know, there are times when people get, get diagnosed with certain diseases and they, and they get just so depressed, you know, about, about this disease that they, they've, they've been diagnosed with because they, they, they did it to themselves, you know, like the person who's, who smoked for 30 years and now has lung cancer. I mean, who if they got to blame themselves? Listen, God can turn that around too. Ideally, we do everything we can to prepare against the enemy's assault on our bodies as we grow older, just and in life in general. You know, but, you know, if there's something that happens that we should have done differently, that we didn't take care of, God's well able to, to overcome that as, as well. Uh, I, you know, don't beat yourself up. Healing is still available. Victory in that area is still available. You can still take care of it. Uh, Paul was hindered by circumstances and trials and tribulations in so many ways. Um, in 1 Thessalonians 2, it says he was hindered from returning to Thessalonica. In Romans 1 and Romans 15, it says he was hindered from going to Rome. The Greek word for hindered means to cut in on someone, to in impede someone's course by cutting off his way 
to detain, to thwart, to impede someone by breaking up the road or placing an obstacle in their path. Have you ever had the enemy try to place an obstacle in your path? I mean, we're going down the road. We know we're going in the right direction. And suddenly there's a washout. There's a mudslide. There's a landslide, a rock slide. He's trying to impede your way. Listen, it shouldn't stop us. Don't just stand there and look at whatever he's done and go, oh, no, I can't do anything now. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. There's still a way around it all. There's still a way to overcome it all. God knows how to build bridges. God knows how to, to get you over to the other side. It doesn't matter what the enemy puts up. It doesn't matter what he tries to do. You can still overcome him, no matter what the storm is. Don't ever maintain the attitude it was meant to be. Uh, just, it just, that and that serenity prayer just annoy me. Gracious. There's a reason for everything. Tragedies happen to somebody. Says, well, there's just a reason for everything. No, the reason is John 10, 10. Come on. You know, you have to keep going back to that. That's, that's the ultimate core of what, where it all came from. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Um, I'm going to stop here. Um, God has promised to never leave us never to forsake us, to always equip us, to always give us grace for the journey, and to ultimately put us over in victory. Don't get discouraged. There's always an answer, and victory is sure. Paul told Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then Ephesians 6, he says, put on the whole armor. God's already given you some defensive measures to have on. So when the enemy throws something at you, you're already well defended. If you put on those things, actually look at that. It's like pastor. That's the last scripture. No, it's not. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, in the stormy times. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You are already equipped to handle so much. So never be discouraged. We used to sing a song around, sing a song around here. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. I told Satan, get thee behind. Victory today is mine. So you don't have to sing to yourself. When the storms show up, sing. Sing. Sing your way out of it. Praise your way out of it. Thank God out of it. It's a good place to start and a good place to end. Good night. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.